Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. It's good to be back. I was away for two weeks. Last time I was here, basically every single piece of technology we had broke. And so that was a great day for me. And I've been sort of recovering in an asylum for the last 15 days, but I'm back and I'm feeling pretty good. Um, today we are continuing this series, coming down the home stretch, that we are calling Extraordinary. And uh, for the last four weeks or so, we've been looking at the life of Peter, this guy who started off life as an ordinary fisherman, but really through the power of God became an extraordinary disciple. And each week, we are taking a look at sort of pivotal moments along his journey to find out what happened, um, what went on, and what we can learn from his life and how we can apply the, those lessons to our own journey. So today what I want to do as we continue this series, is I want to have a conversation about personal failure, okay? Um, you know, you let yourself down, or you let somebody else down, or maybe you let God down. You didn't, you didn't do something you were supposed to do the way you thought you were supposed to do it, and, and you just really feel the weight of that in your life. And this could be a new failure. I mean, this could be something that happened last night. Maybe you went out last night and, and, and you, know, you partied a little too hard and you did something you probably shouldn't have done and, and now you're feeling the weight of that. Or this could be a personal failure that you've been holding on to for decades. All of us, unfortunately, every single one of us at some point will fall short. We, we will experience some type of personal failure. And, and to flesh out that topic, what I want to do is I want to look at really what amounts to being the most painful moment in Peter's life. I want to show you Peter's denial of Christ. And what we're going to see today is Peter mess up big time. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, this is pretty much as bad as it gets. And if I were God, I probably would have washed my hands of Peter. Just been like, it's, it, we're, we're done. This is, this, is, this is too much. But what we actually see is the opposite. We're actually going to see the grace and mercy of Jesus as he offers Peter another chance. And my hope is that for someone here today, you'll be touched by his story. And, and it will give you the hope to know that God is doing something in your life and God can bring you a better tomorrow. So let me set the scene for what we're going to be looking at today. It is the last night of Jesus' life. They have just wrapped up the uh, Last Supper. Uh, and Jesus and his disciples are now walking out into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, Tonight, you will all desert me. You're going to abandon me. You're going to fall away, other translations say. That'll stop you in your tracks. I mean, it, like, remember, these guys have been with Jesus for the last three years, three and a half years. They've traveled all around with him. They've seen him do all sorts of miracles. They've seen him cure blind people, bring people back to life. They've seen him walk on water. I mean, just last week, Adam talked about how, how Peter proclaimed that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And in spite of all of that, Jesus predicts tonight, in just a few short hours, in spite of everything that you have seen and heard and witnessed and participated in, you are going to abandon me when I need you most. So Peter speaks up, and Peter really loves Jesus. And he says to Jesus, he goes, even if everyone else abandons you, I never will. Even if all your other followers abandon you, even if all the other disciples, these you know, 10 jokers, I 
never will Jesus. He goes on, he goes, Lord, um, I'm ready to go to prison with you, even to die with you. What would your reaction be, Christians in the room? What would your reaction be if Jesus looked at you and said, you're going to leave me? And he used your name, John, you're going to leave me. Adam, you're going you're to leave me. You, you would say, no way, never. It's, it's not, it's not going to happen because if you're like me, you just can't picture a time or a reason as to why you would ever abandon your Messiah. Same with Peter. So he says, Jesus, you got it all wrong. I will never leave you. But Jesus says, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And if you know this famous story, you know that's exactly what happens. So today I'm going to show you two mistakes that Peter makes. And chances are you might find yourself in this story as well. So Jesus and his disciples, remember, they're now out in the garden. Judas shows up, betrays Jesus. Jesus gets arrested. And it says, then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. So now Jesus is behind closed doors. He's all by himself with those Jewish leaders. And this is actually where the beatings begin. Um, he's not only verbally assaulted in there, he is physically assaulted. And when Jesus comes out of that house, out of that sham trial, he's going to look a lot different than he did going in. Now, with all of that going on, Luke tells us that Peter followed at a distance. This is important. That's why you file this away, because we're going to come back to this in just a second. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. So you got Jesus getting worked over inside the house. You got Peter outside following at a distance. Let's talk about the two mistakes that we're going to see in this story. The first mistake that Peter makes is one that, honestly, we all make. And that is he underestimated his own weaknesses. Peter told Jesus, I will never abandon you, right? It's, it's not going to happen. Now, when I heard Peter say this, the very first thing that I thought of was the famous Charles Dickens line, never say never. Right? Never say never. And Dickens is right. Because we all sort of cavalierly make these bold claims about things that we would never do. But the truth is, given the right circumstances, we're capable of anything. I mean, we are all capable of sinning and messing up uh, uh, and falling short and, and letting God down and letting ourselves down and letting others down, breaking promises that we have made. We are all capable of any sin and the moment that you think you're not, right? The moment you catch yourself saying, oh, I would never, that's the moment you're most vulnerable. In fact, Paul says, so be careful. If you are thinking, oh, I would never behave like that, right? Oh, I would never deny Jesus. I would never have an affair. I would never fill in the blank. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. One of the reasons I think that we have so many failures in our lives is because we think we're stronger than we are. Like we overestimate our strengths. We underestimate our weaknesses. I mean, we all do this. How many times have you heard some juicy bit of gossip about somebody screwing up and you think to yourself, or maybe you can say it out loud, oh, I would never do that. And chances are you probably would never do this. And Paul's goal in kind of giving that little bit of wisdom 
isn't it make you think that every single one of you is like this close to becoming like a murderous, thieving adulterer? That's not like, that's not, maybe you are, I don't know. But like, that's not his goal. His point is, careful, right? Don't overestimate your strengths. Don't underestimate your weaknesses. In fact, what you should do is acknowledge weakness. Because acknowledging one's weakness is the first step into true strength. You are only as strong as you are honest with yourselves. And Peter was not honest. He, he did not acknowledge his own weaknesses. I'll never leave you. I'll die for you. I'll, I'll go to prison for you. And then he denied Jesus three times. So Peter's first mistake was he underestimated his own weaknesses. Second mistake he makes is that he followed Jesus at a distance. When it comes to our relationship with God or Jesus, um, we actually get to choose how close we want to be with him in that relationship. And so, for example, you might be here today, um, and in your relationship with Jesus, you might say, I want to be very close to Jesus. That's what I want in my spiritual journey, right? And so, you know, you want to seek him first every day. You kind of wake up and you start writing prayer. Um, you want to be in God's word. You want the Holy Spirit working in your life and guiding your decisions and helping you make all these decisions. You want to be serving in his church. Like, you want to be in the action. Like, you're the type of person that gets to church not on time but early so that you can worship God in music and you can allow it to prepare your heart for, for a message. You want to follow Jesus closely because you value him above anything else. But others of you, you might be here today and you go, well, that doesn't really describe my relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're a little bit more comfortable, you know, at a distance. And so maybe you would say, okay, I, I want like the good stuff Jesus offers. I want to go to heaven, right? I want to avoid the hot place. I want, I, want to, I want him to bless my family. I want him to bless my job, my career. I want him to bless my health, that kind of stuff. I, wa I want the blessings. I want the comfort but I don't want the cost of following Jesus too closely. Like, I don't want people to think I'm a Jesus freak, right? Some, like, weird religious person. I, I, I don't want that. I don't want people to think less of me. I don't want to pay that kind of price. I want to follow Jesus. I love him, right? But I want to do it at a distance. If that's you, I don't judge you. I mean, I, I, mean, I actually totally get that. That makes sense because... Being a fully devoted follower of Jesus does come with some costs. It requires some sacrifice. Jesus makes no bones about that, but I'm just going to level with you as friends here, okay? If you're following Jesus at a distance, you're never going to experience all of his blessings. You're never going to experience all of his goodness. You're never going to see all that he can do through you. And most importantly, when you follow Jesus at a distance, you are much more vulnerable. I would make the argument that had Peter been physically close to Jesus that night, he never would have denied him. The reason I think that is because a few hours earlier, when Jesus was being arrested, if you know the story, what did Peter do? Matthew tells us that one of the men with Jesus, that's Peter, pulled out a sword and slashed off the ear of the high priest's uh, servant. And I got to imagine the reason he hit his ear is because he had bad aim. And he was going for the guy's head. See, when Peter was physically close to Jesus, he was on fire for Jesus. 
He was ready to do battle for Jesus. Now, to my knowledge, this is the only violent act in the New Testament committed on Jesus' behalf. And Jesus famously said to Peter, put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. In other words, Peter, we're we're not going to do it this way. Violence is not a part of my story. Now, Peter's enthusiasm was misplaced. But as you can clearly see, when he was close to Jesus, he was about to die for Jesus. But when he was at a distance, suddenly he was much more vulnerable. Let me show you what happened. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, well, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Denial number one. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them, meaning you're one of his disciples. You're one of his followers. Man, I am not. Denial number two. Three strikes, you're out, right? A little later, the bystanders accused Peter, you can't deny that you are one of them because you too are from Galilee. And here comes the coup de grace. Peter said, I swear that I am telling the truth. May God punish me if I am not. I do not know the man you're talking about. In the span of just a few short hours, Peter went from, I'll never abandon you. I'll go to prison with you. I will die for you too. I swear to God, I don't know this guy. And if I'm lying, I'm dying, right? Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Every time I read that line, it gives me chills. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoke to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And it's like his whole world came crashing down on him. Luke tells us that Peter went outside and he broke down and he cried. Now I'm curious. When is the last time the weight of your failure, let's call it, the weight of your sins, the weight of your mistakes, however you want to define it, became so real that you broke down before God? And it's like, dear God, forgive me. I am so sorry. Maybe you couldn't even get the words out. You just, you just, you just sobbed. And I'm not talking about remorse. Remorse is, you know, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm talking repentance. Repentance is, I'm sorry, God. I sinned against you. I, I, I messed up my life. God, I want to be different. When is the last time you, like Peter, wept over your sin? Now, if you can't remember, I'll, I'll just let you know that the closer you are to Jesus, the more sensitive you are to your sin. And the closer you are to Jesus, the quicker you are to, to recognize the sin in your life and the quicker you are to repent of that sin. And I'll just say this. Whenever I'm not sensitive, shall we say, to the reality of the sin in my own life, the, the, the mistakes that I'm making, that's when I know that I'm following Jesus at a distance. But when I am locked into Jesus, when I'm in his word, when I'm prayed up, when I'm active in church, it's a huge deal. When I'm around other believers actively, okay, that's when I am quick to see the errors of my ways. So Peter wept bitterly. 
Peter, last week, Jesus said, Peter, you are the rock. Peter the rock crumbled. Not once, not twice, three times. And I can absolutely identify with him in this. And I got to imagine that some of you can as well. Because it's, it's God, I promise I will never again. And then as soon as you say amen, you do it again. God, I, 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 I will never sleep with them again. Lord, I will never touch that drug again. God, I will never put that bottle to my lips again. God, I'll never spend like that again. Lord, I will never neglect my family again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll always, I'll always, I'll always, and then in a matter of days or weeks or months, you break your promise. And you feel the weight of that failure. Peter made a bold promise, I will never abandon you. I will go to prison with you. I will even die with you. And then he completely broke his promise. Jesus was handed over to the Romans, and shortly thereafter, he was crucified. When Jesus needed Peter the most, Peter abandoned Jesus. He abandoned his Lord. He denied his Messiah. But the best news is, and this is why we're looking at this story today, while Peter may have abandoned Jesus, Jesus did not abandon Peter. Scripture says that even if we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. And so two weeks after the resurrection, Jesus goes to find Peter. Jesus goes looking for the man who denied him, and you can read the account for yourself. It's phenomenal. It's John 21, but let me summarize it for you. Jesus meets Peter on this beach, and he asks Peter three separate times. Why? Because Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And Peter is like, yes, I love you. I, I did love you. I do love you. I just did something stupid. I messed up. I don't know why I did it. I just did it. Yes, Lord, he answered. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, now, before I show you what Jesus said to him, let me tell you what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, told you so, right? That's what I would have said. Mm. Told you so. He didn't say, hey, Peter, you know what I want you to do? I want you to dwell and ruminate on your past. He, he didn't say, I, I want, you know what you need to do? You need to drown in your own guilt. When Peter declared his love for Jesus, Jesus looked at this broken and repentant man and he said, feed my lambs. That's Jesus' way of saying, you're forgiven. Now, Go do what I've called you to do. Feed my lambs. Minister to my people. Don't let this failure, Peter, stop you from finishing the assignment. Your life is not over. You have been restored. And let me tell you what Peter didn't say. He didn't say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm too far gone. He didn't say, there's no hope for me, Jesus. 
I deserve to live with my shame and my guilt for the rest of my life. My failures, they are going to define me from this moment forward. He didn't say any of that. That's exactly what many of us say, isn't it? Let me ask you this. What failure are you holding on to? Or failures? What is it that still weighs on you? That keeps you up at night? That prevents you from, from moving forward and living the life that God has created you to live? Maybe it's something you said. You said something stupid in a, in a moment of weakness. You blew up a relationship, maybe with your spouse or your kids, or, and, and, and now you let that failure define you. Maybe it was something that you didn't do years ago that you should have done. And if you're being honest, you would say that your life ended at that failure. You have been handcuffed to that failure, shackled to that failure. If that is you, I got good news for you. Scripture says that if we confess our sins, our failures, our mistakes, he will forgive our sins. And he will forgive every wrong thing we have done, and he will make us pure. Listen to me. This is why some of you are here today. I don't know what you've done. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter to me. But if you confess your sin to Jesus, Lord, I messed up. I own up to it. I don't know why I did it. I just did it. I don't, I don't want to be like this anymore. If you confess your sins to Jesus, your sin is forgiven. And it is time to let it go. Because Jesus has it covered and God doesn't hold it against you. He has forgiven your sin. You are free. And he would say to you as he did to Peter, go feed my lambs. It's time to let go of the past. You are forgiven. You've been made pure. Now go and live the life that I have created you to live. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So today, I showed you the absolute worst moment of Peter's life. But 2,000 years later, sitting here in this room, we can look back and know that Peter would go on to author several books of the Bible. He would go on to become a powerful leader in the church. Catholics would look at him and say he's the first pope. Churches would be named after him. Parents would name their children after him. And God would ultimately use him to change the world, which tells me that failure is an event and it's never a person. And just because you failed at something doesn't mean that you are a failure. Failure is what happened to you. It's what you experienced. It is never who you are. And what I love so much about this story and what I love so much about our God is not only will he forgive you of your failures, not only will he restore you from your failures, but God will redeem and use your failures. And next week, if you're in town, we're going to take a look at Peter preaching what is considered to be the very first Christian sermon. It wasn't even 50 days later after this denial that God will use Peter to preach to thousands of people about repentance and forgiveness. Now, why would God use Peter? Because nobody was better qualified to speak about repentance and forgiveness than the one who had repented and been forgiven. See, our God never wastes a failure. He never does. 
So I don't know what you're going through, but if you're in the middle of massive pain and disappointment, just know that, that God is aware of it. But he's not done with you yet. And he's going to do something inside of you because our God never wastes a failure. And just like Peter, the very failure that you thought might take you out may end up being the greatest point of strength in your life to minister to those around you. Our God never wastes a failure. Because where you are weak now, our God will make you strong. Because his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. Let me pray for you. Dearly Father, so many of us are carrying around the burden and the pain of letting ourselves down, letting someone that we loved down, letting you down. And many of us have stopped living because of it. And we've allowed that failure to become our personality. It's how we see ourselves, God. But Lord, today's story tells us that you see us through the lens of Jesus. You are ready to forgive us. You're ready to restore us. You're ready to redeem us. Lord, when we're ready to ask for forgiveness, when we're ready to repent and come back, Lord, you will use that failure in a powerful way so that we can help those around us who are struggling similarly. God, come into our lives. Restore us. Give us the strength to live the life that you have called us to live. Help us to feed your lambs. In Jesus' name we pray.